Hello and welcome to this morning's edition of 5 at 8. Today is Saturday, July 22nd, 2023, and I'm Mark Overman, joined by my co-host, Linda Carlisle. In this episode, we will talk about the progress of the war in Ukraine, as tensions rise and cracks in Western support for Ukraine emerge. We'll also discuss North Korea's missile launches in protest over the presence of a U.S. nuclear-armed submarine and the alarming speed of climate records being broken. Additionally, we'll cover the commitment of leading AI companies in the U.S. to manage the risks associated with AI technology and Russia's accusation of causing famine by blocking grain exports through the Black Sea. Stay tuned for these top news stories of the day. Story number one. In a report from the BBC, the Aspen Security Forum, a gathering of influential policymakers and think tankers in Aspen, Colorado, recently focused on the progress of the war in Ukraine. President Volodymyr Zelensky appeared remotely to express gratitude and ask for more help, highlighting the critical nature of the current period. The counteroffensive in Ukraine has been slower than expected due to delays in weapons, ammunition, and training. While tensions exist over the level of U.S. military aid, Ukraine is still probing for a weakness in Russia's defenses to potentially make a breakthrough. Signs of pressure within Russia are emerging, with reports of low morale and frustrations among Russian troops and their commanders. However, cracks in Western support for Ukraine are also appearing, with some U.S. Congress members questioning the financial commitment. The next few weeks and months will be pivotal in determining the outcome of the war and the level of support Ukraine receives. Who would have thought that Aspen, Colorado would be the backdrop for discussions on the Ukraine-Russia conflict? It's an interesting contrast, right? But it does highlight the global implications of the war. I mean, the U.S. has been a reliable ally to Ukraine, providing military aid to help them push back Russia's advances. Well, Mark, it's not that simple. Yes, the U.S. has provided aid, but the timing and scale of it have been questioned. President Zelensky himself expressed concerns about the delay in launching the counteroffensive due to the lack of weapons and ammunition. This has, unfortunately, given Russia a chance to fortify its defenses. But Linda, let's not forget that the U.S. has its own interests to consider. It's a delicate balance between supporting Ukraine and not escalating the conflict to a point of no return. Plus, there are experts who believe Ukraine has what it needs for the current counteroffensive. The focus should be on making the most of what they have. I see your point, Mark. But that doesn't absolve the U.S. or any other nation providing aid from the responsibility of their actions. The war is not just about weapons and ammunition. It's also a battle of wills and staying power. And in that sense, fluctuating support can have serious consequences. True. But let's not forget that there's a significant financial commitment involved here. Some members of the U.S. Congress have openly questioned this. And with the U.S. heading into an election next year there's a real risk of support for Ukraine eroding. That's concerning, Mark. International commitments shouldn't waver with election cycles. The situation in Ukraine is critical, and a lack of consistent support could have dire consequences. This is not just about politics. It's about lives, stability, and the future of an entire nation. Story number two. North Korea has fired several cruise missiles towards the sea in protest over the arrival of a U.S. nuclear-armed submarine at a South Korean port, as reported by Al Jazeera. This is the second missile launch in response to the submarine's presence. The launches were detected by South Korea's military, who have increased surveillance and cooperation with the U.S. The distance the missiles traveled has not been disclosed. 
The missile launches come as tensions between North Korea and the U.S. and South Korea continue to rise, with joint military exercises and nuclear contingency planning meetings taking place. North Korea's defense minister has issued a veiled threat, suggesting that the submarine's deployment could be grounds for a nuclear attack. South Korea's defense ministry has described the submarine's deployment and planning meetings as defensive measures, and has warned that any use of nuclear weapons by North Korea will result in a decisive response. Good morning, Linda. I was just reading about these latest missile launches by North Korea. Clearly, it's a show of force in response to the U.S. deploying a nuclear-armed submarine to South Korea. I mean, we're talking about the first visit by a U.S. nuclear-armed submarine to South Korea since the 1980s. That's a big deal, no doubt. The move can be seen as a reinforcement of the U.S. commitment to its ally, which I think is necessary given the escalating tensions. Well, Mark, I see where you're coming from. But I would argue that the U.S. move is more likely to escalate tensions than to defuse them. This is a very delicate geopolitical situation, and moves like this can be seen as provocative. It's almost reminiscent of the Cuban Missile Crisis, don't you think? And remember, back then the world was on the brink of a nuclear war. Ah, I see your point, Linda. And the Cuban Missile Crisis comparison is—it's a good one. But consider this. North Korea has been continuously testing its missile capabilities, even firing two short-range ballistic missiles just the other day. So, I believe the U.S. is just taking necessary steps to protect its ally and maintain the balance of power in the region. Yes, Mark, but this could also be seen as a reaction to the increased military presence of the U.S. and South Korea in the region. We can't forget the joint military exercises and nuclear contingency planning meetings. This might be seen as a threat by North Korea, and they are responding in kind. It's a dangerous cycle, one that the international community needs to step in to disrupt before it escalates further. Eh, it is a dangerous cycle. But with North Korea's defense minister suggesting the docking of the Kentucky and South Korea as grounds for a nuclear attack, we can't just stand back and do nothing. We need to show strength in the face of such threats. I hear you, Mark. Strength is important, but so is diplomacy. Relying solely on military power creates a volatile situation. We need to focus more on diplomatic measures. There's a lot at stake here, Mark, and the repercussions of this conflict could have a far-reaching impact on the global political landscape. Story number three: Scientists are alarmed by the unprecedented speed and timing of climate records being broken, including the world's hottest day on record. The hottest June globally, extreme marine heat waves, and record low Antarctic sea ice. These events are difficult to immediately link to climate change due to the complexity of weather and the Earth's oceans. However, ongoing emissions from burning fossil fuels and the first El Nino since 2018 are contributing factors. According to the BBC, scientists warn that the Earth is now in uncharted territory and fear that worst-case scenarios are unfolding. While it is challenging to predict the exact impact of climate change in the next 10 years, the trend of increasing temperatures and extreme weather events is expected to continue. Could you believe it, Linda? The speed and timing of these climate records being broken is absolutely mind-boggling. It's like everything we thought we knew about climate change has been tossed out the window. It's certainly alarming, Mark. Weather patterns and oceanic conditions are so complex, and it's clear we're entering uncharted territory. The climate models we've relied on for decades are starting to seem a bit outdated, don't you think? Couldn't agree more, Linda. And it's not just about the models being outdated; it's about the unpredictability.
the speed of these changes. It's like we've been underestimating the severity of the issue this whole time. Yes, exactly, Mark. The climate system is in record-breaking territory, and it's not just one part of it, it's every part temperature, ocean heat, Antarctic sea ice. We're looking at worst-case scenarios unfolding before our eyes. And we've got to remember, these changes aren't just numbers on a chart. They're affecting real people, real ecosystems. Like those marine heat waves in the North Atlantic, they're already impacting marine ecosystems that produce half of our planet's oxygen. It's a stark reminder that we're not just spectators in this. Our actions, our consumption, our dependence on fossil fuels, they're all contributing to these changes. And while it's a daunting prospect, it also highlights the urgency and importance of our response. Couldn't have put it better myself, Linda. We've got to take this as a wake-up call. It's time to reassess our strategies, our policies, and our commitments. Because if we don't, we might just end up in a world that's a lot hotter and a lot less hospitable than we ever thought possible. Story number four. Seven leading artificial intelligence AI companies in the U.S., including Amazon, Google, and Microsoft, have committed to managing the risks associated with AI technology, as reported by the BBC. The companies have agreed to conduct security testing of their AI systems, implement watermarks to identify AI-generated content, publicly report AI capabilities and limitations, and research risks such as bias and privacy invasion. The goal is to make it easier for people to recognize when online content is created by AI. The announcement comes amid concerns about the spread of disinformation and the potential threats posed by AI. The White House is also working on an executive order and aims to establish an international framework for AI development and use. It's definitely a big step, Linda, these seven leading AI companies committing to managing the risks posed by this technology. I mean, we're talking about giants like Amazon, Google, Microsoft, and Meta. They're saying they'll test the security of their AI systems and make those results public. What are your thoughts on this? Well, Mark, it's definitely a significant development. The fact that these leading companies recognize the potential threats posed by AI technologies and are willing to take steps to mitigate these risks is encouraging. The commitment to security testing, transparency, and public reporting are much-needed steps in the right direction. I agree, Linda. But, you know, there's this part where President Biden talks about being vigilant about the threats that these emerging technologies can pose to our democracy and our values. What's your take on that? That's a valid point, Mark. We've seen how technology, especially AI, can be exploited to spread disinformation and destabilize society. As these AI systems become more sophisticated, it's crucial to ensure they're not used maliciously. This is where the watermarking of AI-generated content comes into play. It's a way of ensuring that people can distinguish between human-generated and AI-generated content. Yeah, that makes sense. It seems like there's a lot of potential for AI to do good, but we need to keep an eye on these risks. It's like walking a tightrope, huh? Now, what about this international framework they mentioned for governing the development and use of AI? How feasible do you think that is? It's definitely a complex issue, Mark. The international nature of these companies and the global impact of their technologies mean we need a global response. However, creating an international framework can be challenging because different countries have different views on AI and its governance. Nevertheless, it's a conversation that needs to happen, and creating such a framework would be a major step forward in ensuring the responsible and ethical use of AI. Story number five. 
Russia has been accused by the UN head of humanitarian relief of causing famine by blocking grain exports through the Black Sea, leading to higher global food prices. According to The Guardian, the Black Sea Grain Initiative, which Russia ended, had successfully allowed the export of 33 million metric tons of grain from Ukraine to 45 countries. However, since the agreement ended, grain prices have rapidly increased, impacting the world's poorest and most vulnerable people who rely on food relief. Western diplomats accused Russia of using the Black Sea as blackmail and holding humanity hostage as Russian food exports continue to increase while millions suffer from higher grain prices. Russia defended its decision, citing financial losses caused by sanctions and damage to an ammonia pipeline. Who would have thought food could be a weapon, right? Russia blocking grain exports through the Black Sea is an eye-opener. I mean, it's a smart move. Economically speaking, the spike in global food prices clearly benefits Russia. Mark, I see where you're coming from, but I don't think smart is the right term here. It's more like exploitative. Sure, it may seem advantageous for Russia economically, but at what cost? The world's poorest and most vulnerable are the ones paying the price. Yeah, Linda, I get it. It's a tough pill to swallow, but isn't this just how the world works? It's all about leverage and power dynamics. Russia is just playing the game. Playing the game, as you put it, shouldn't involve potentially causing famine, Mark. It's not just about politics or economics, it's about basic human rights. Food is a necessity, not a weapon to be wielded for political gain. And yet it's being used as such. I'm not saying it's right, but it's not the first time we've seen this. Remember the USA's food embargo against Cuba during the Cold War? That's exactly my point, Mark. We've seen the devastating effects of such actions in the past. We should learn from history, not repeat it. The international community needs to step in and prevent such food weaponization. Well, Linda, I do agree with you there. The international community indeed has a role to play. But, uh, it's a complex issue and solutions aren't going to be simple or immediate. It's a complex issue with no easy solutions. But we can't just sit back and let this happen. Conversations like this one, raising awareness, they're a start. And hopefully they lead to action. That's it for this morning. Have a great day and see you all tomorrow. Five at Eight is researched, written, and performed by artificial intelligence. For more information, visit botcaster.ai.